Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies. From the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords, if it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. Hello, welcome back to Fighting on Film. Now off the hot, off the heels of U571, we're back with another war movie review for you. And this week, we are reviewing a film that doesn't actually go to a battlefield or show any real war um, with 2000's Tigerland. Now this film always gets put on those sort of underrated war movies you haven't seen these yeah. underrated war movies will blow your mind. Like Tiger If we Land's asked ChatGPT what his favourite underrated um, Vietnam war movie is, he would probably say Tigerland. Take a, take a big drag on an American spirit rolly. And it would be like, you've not seen Tigerland, and you can't see your review films. Yeah, it'd do that, wouldn't it? <laughs> totally would. It really would. Um, um, that's harkening back to us calling ChatGPT a film, bro. If you're not um, aware, there's two two episodes ago for the newbies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Matt, maybe you should just dive into production this week. Give us a yeah. A I think that's probably the best way of doing it, isn't it? Um, directed by Joel Schumacher, um, best known for Set Emma's Fire, The Lost Boys, um, Falling Down with Michael Douglas, which is a, is a good movie, incredible film. Um, two mid. Batman movies, uh, Batman Forever and um, Batman and Robin. The one which... with the bat nipples and the bat credit cards. That one. Bat nips, yeah. yeah. Um, the most 90s consumerist Batman that we ever had. Yeah, yeah. That it, one. I, I could never get into them. Um, Phone Booth and Phantom of the Opera. Um, Schumacher has had An one of the most career. eclectic yeah. careers imaginable. Um, written by Ross Clavin and Michael 
McGrutha, um, both this was their third, uh, sorry, first, I should say, writing credit. Um, oh, wow. And they've never really had anything as serious or big since either of them. Um, and I think both of them have done a little bit of acting in various places and some other screenwriting stuff, but this is probably their biggest piece. Mm. Most notably, I think the cinematography for this uh, was done by Matthew uh, Libertique, who is extremely well-known and has had a very successful career. And I think arguably the cinematography on the film is possibly one of its best features. I don't know what you think I'd about go that. For that. Yeah, it's good. It's interesting yeah. to say the least. Yeah. So a, a smattering of films that um, the boutique has worked on. Um, Requiem for a Dream, uh, The Phone Booth again. Uh, let's see here. Um, Iron Man, Miracle wow. at Santa Ana, uh, the Spike Lee movie, um, which is another war movie. Iron Man 2, Cowboys and Aliens. Um, more recently, he worked on A Star is Born, um, Beds of Prey. And then he's a frequent collaborator with uh, Darren Aronofsky um, okay. and worked on The Whale most recently. Right. Because yeah, I knew Which it was you... shot in 16 mil, wasn't it? They're like, yes, they're it like was. digital shooting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That stands out. That's a good choice. It does. And it, it's very grainy in places, and it's a little bit washed out, especially towards the end where the they're yeah. in the uh, in the in the swamp. It's very um, almost monochrome, in fact. Yeah, it feels humid. Um, it? it does. It does feel humid. Yeah. Um, distributed by 20th Century Fox. The budget, I believe, from all the sources that I could find, and there is not a lot written about the production of this film. Really not anywhere. Really, um, the budget was around 10 million, which is sizable um certainly for a uh, a production like this um box office is the most surprising part of this and box office came in at under $150,000 yeah that's a flop and i could not for the life of me find out why it's an r rated movie um which was apparently according to both farrell himself and uh one or two other sources it ran in five theaters for about 7 weeks which Screams to me eligibility for awards season. Um, but I just, re- I honestly could not find a reason for no. why this film was, you know, had such a, a small theatre run. Yeah, I remember it coming out on video and DVD. Like, yeah. obviously, I, I think it had a theatrical run over here, but it must be a very small one, um, mm. if at all. Um, I know that there's a, there's a review that we found that was... Uh, a press interview from Farrell where he was saying, yeah, they showed it in yeah, five RTE. screens, yeah. RTE at the Dublin Film Festival in 2001. And he's saying, oh, oh, wow, there's more than 10 people here for this interview. Like, that's amazing. Just saying how little reaction they'd had in the States to this movie. It's very odd. Um, yeah, couldn't really get to the bottom of that one myself either. It's a bit of a mystery. And, you know, if anyone knows, do let us know because I would yeah, be please fascinated do. to know. Um, military advisors on the on the film uh, were provided by uh, our friends at Warriors Inc. Dale Dye um, and Co. Uh, I think Dale did some uh, consulting on it, and then he sent his XO uh, Michael Stocky, um, who is mm. also a Vietnam vet, um, down to lead the one week boot camp that they did. Um, and then from that same interview with RTE, um, or the writer of the uh, the I think it was like a screening that they were doing or at the film festival. Right. Um, Farrell said 
It was pretty physical and I'm a lazy bastard. We ate rations, stayed out late, and were woken at 2am and taken out and shown how to take apart an M16 and put it back together. Their job, the Warriors, was basically to teach us and train us, take us through, make us run. I went into the boot camp thinking I was going to mess around and be as cocky and cheeky as I could. But then when I got there, I realised the only reason they were there was to actually help us, which I thought was a really interesting parallel with the film. So he's gone into it thinking, I'll do what I'm going to do in the film. Yeah. And then he's realised, oh, wait, no, I need to actually know this stuff <laughs> in order to, to make the to film. to do it on the film. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. But That's that good. basically rounds out production for this one. Oh, fair enough. So as always, I've dug out a retro review from the archives. And uh, this one comes from BBC I, if anyone out there remembers that website. Um, before. Wow. That's... Yeah, in the day. De- Last from the past. Nostalgic. Yeah. Remember BBC Choice before it was BBC Three as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, digging, digging out the references for back. our American listeners there. They'll know exactly what we're talking about. No one's about. going to know what the hell we're talking no. about. But yep. So, yeah, it was, it was a short, you know, before BBC News became a thing, it was like BBC Interactive. It was this whole, whole thing. Anyway, so this review comes from Ben Falk, uh, Tigerland 2001. It's a DVD review, um, but I think it's a quite a good one. So I'll read you a few selected paragraphs. Who would have thought director Joel Schumacher, purveyor of such big budget glossy pulp as Batman Forever and Dying Young, would have been able to pull off this unexpected delight of a movie? Despite his unusual ability to spend more time on set design than he does on actors, Schumacher handles the more intimate setting with great skill, aided by some great acting, deaf cinematography from Darian Aronofsky's cohort Matthew Libertek, and a phenomenally charismatic central performance by relatively unknown Irishman Colin Farrell. Harnessing all of Boz's intensity, courage, loyalty and anger in one very magnetic and okay, good-looking whole Farrell more than earns the plaudits which have been regaled upon him for the role. This man is going to be a star. Pathetic. I'll give him that. Yeah, I find it interesting. He he did. the, The review, although it does talk about Vietnam... It is a lot more hinged on isn't Pharrell, Pharrell isn't Farrell going to do well? A, a few reviews from the time were more excited about what Farrell was going to do after than the movie yeah. itself, I found. Um, and then I think well, over the years, this has become more of a cult film, more of a revered yeah. classic over the yeah, years. I, I think so. It's, it's definitely appeared on more and more lists, hasn't it? As we mentioned. As I, I think, think you're going to mention start. it in a moment, but. Schumacher fought hard apparently to get yeah he did the film. yeah um apparently the, as the story goes um that Schumacher was getting on a plane and Farrell gave him his audition tape and he shot it in a hotel room with his sister talk like doing parts of two characters and he had a cigarette on the go and he was talking about it was a monologue I don't think actually makes the final cut um you can find it on YouTube actually you can find it was part of the DVD special features um Farrell's audition tape you can find it yeah um, and then he was commanding like 2.5 million after. And he comes, he mm. starts on Bally Kiss Angel of all things, and he becomes this big star. So, talking about Farrell, there, we should probably go into the cast. What a fantastic segue. So, starting off um, with Farrell, he plays Private Roland Boz, your main protagonists. Um, now he's an Academy Award um, nominee, uh, Irish actor. This is only his third uh, film credit, um, uh, Tigerland. He appeared in Tim Roth's. Um, oh, I forget the name of the film now because I didn't write it down. Um, let me just check. Sorry, 
just to just to parallel what you said to me last week, it is kind of your job because you're on cast to write down the names of the films. You fucker. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> oh god. We do this, we go, and that one be important. We don't need to mention that one. Then we mention it and we're like, and then we oh, talk yeah, ourselves we to that. mentioning yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Came out in nineteen ninety nine, I know that. The war zone. There we go. So yeah, he, he appeared in Tim Roth's *The War Zone*, um, which is a very, very harrowing film about uh, sexual abuse. It's horrible. Um, I was talking to my wife earlier about it, and I said Gary Oldman and Tim Roth, are two of the most revered British actors of that late '90s period, and they both go, "Oh, let's make very harrowing di- directorial debuts." I find that very interesting because um, mm. Neil Bymouth is superb. Anyway, um, getting back to the film. Uh, he was later cast, uh, Farrell was later cast in Joel Schumacher's blockbuster uh, 2002 uh, Phone Booth, which I think is a really yep. good film. Um, in terms of war films, though, he starred in Hearts War in 2002. Um, in 2004, and I completely forgot this film even existed, he was the lead in Alexander, about Alexander the Great. Yeah. Um, other notable roles uh, include um, last year's Banshees of Insurin, um, Insurin that just, you know, took the awards um, award circuit by storm. And he's played the Penguin in Batman 2022. And at the time of recording, that show ceased. He was going to have his own show, and it ceased because of the strikes. Oh, wow. Mm. Yeah. And he adopted a Texas accent for the uh, for the film, and he spoke to The Guardian in 2000 about doing it. He said, a lot of pints were drunk in Texas. I went there by myself for a while before the film started, and I just hang out in bars, chatting to people, trying to do it that way. But you know what? I found it very difficult to swear in a Texan accent. And I must admit, oh, really? there's times where it wafers for me. But yeah, it's there are, good. yeah. Yeah. There's, you can there's, tell he's there's not one Texan. where he says, um, there's one where he says shit, and it's just like, I felt like he was going to say something else. It, yeah, it, his accent forces its way through. It, yeah. it can't help it. Um, and then, and as I say, as Matt mentioned, this movie is just full of relatively unknown at the time. Now they're actors that you can you always go, oh, they're from that thing I've seen. Yeah. Very yeah. recognizable faces. Um, but at the time, early days for a lot of them, wasn't it? Were not known, yeah, as, as we'll see as we go along. So Matthew Davis plays Private Jim Paxton. This is his first film credit. Um, he'd go on to appear in Pearl Harbor in 2001, and he'd later find fame playing a recurring role of a vampire hunter in the Vampire Diaries and its subsequent spin-offs. A lot of these characters, character actors just have really extensive um uh, lists of credits so i've cherry picked the best ones for this week uh clifton collins jr plays private meter or mitre um character mm-hmm. actor again uh, bless best known for his roles in the last castle in 2001 the robert redford um james Gandolfini uh, yeah, film yeah good film um traffic in 2000 uh, he also earned a primetime emmy nomination in the 2006 um one season long um fox series called thief um, Shay Wiggum plays Private Wilson, uh, another famous face, um, having appeared in lots of popular American films and TV. Tigerland with his second credit. He appeared as yep. Eli Thompson in Boardwalk Empire. I remember him in that. Um, mm-hmm. Another military role came in 2017 in Kong Skull Island, where he played a captain. And he most recently appears, and I think Matt, you saw this a couple of weeks ago, he appears in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning. For a little bit. He does. He does appear in Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning, uh, Tom Cruise's latest <laughs> installment of the, blockbuster. <laughs> the blockbuster Mission Impossible franchise. Um, hopefully, we'll get some ads for that off Acast. But um, 
Um, but yeah, no, he is in that. He's like um, a CIA agent who is chasing um, Tom Cruise, and he's he's perfectly good in it. It's not he's an amazing rent role. A, rent a baddie or rent a cop? Yeah, kind of roles. It's, it's not. It's not one of those roles where you've got a lot to do other than run after yeah. Tom Cruise, really. But he, yeah. play, he plays the main, I'd say, baddie, the main antagonist, quite well in this. We'll talk more about the effectiveness of these characters later. Um, so we have Tom Guiri or Giri or Guiri. I wondered how you'd say that. Um, it's Private Campwell. He, play, he actually played Trigger in New Five Seven One. If you listened to last week's episode, you remember him. Oh, yeah. Um, For some reason, my brain immediately went. Only fools and horses. It was one. It was like that football from Sheffield Wednesday a few months ago, where you were like, "Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Harry Bannon." I just had that exact same <laughs> situation when you went trigger, and I went, "Only fools and horses." Amazing. Now I want to edit their characters into the U boat. That'd be funny. Oh you my know, god, Del Boy falling. But that's through a nice the, link yeah. back to U seven, U five seven one. That's nice. Yeah, Del Boy falling through the conning tower. Um, that'd be great. <laughs> Uh, he's also in Black Hawk Down in 2001. Hopefully we will be reviewing that soon. More on that when it comes. Um, and he was in The Revenant in 2015, which I don't count it as a strict war film, but the start of that is a, is There's a, some a, conflict is a pure war take. Yeah. Beautifully shot, actually. Um, it is, yeah. Um, and then we have Cole Hauser, a, star, a Staff Sergeant Cota. He's the son of Wings Hauser, famous for Siege at Firebase Gloria and coming up with the um, plot to Uncommon Valor. Um, but yeah, his son is a, pr- a prolific actor as well. Um, he featured in Hearts War in 2002 alongside Farrell. Um, other credits include Tears of the Sun. I think he plays the machine gunner in that. It's quite good. Um, Jarhead, yeah, Jarhead 2, Field of Fire. Um, and he's currently starring as Rip Wheeler in the Smash uh, Yellowstone series that mm-hmm. I haven't seen because we don't get it over here quite easily. <laughs> like, it yeah, I, it's huge. It is it's literally massive. huge, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, a juggernaut, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but but yeah. I haven't seen any of it either. No, I've seen that either. one clip of um, Kevin Costner like firing a rifle into the air, trying to scare off some right. um, tourists that were trying to like get photos with a bear. Okay. <laughs> That's wow. the one thing that Instagram and YouTube shorts keep showing me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then we have Nick. Um, is it Secrecy or Secre? Secrecy? I'm going to, whatever one it is, Nick, I'm very sorry that I've butchered it. Um, he plays Captain Saunders. Uh, he has a recurring role on Justified that had Timothy Oliphant in it. Uh, film credits include Shape of Water, Moneyball, Cast Away, One Hour Photo, just another proper prolific character actor. So many credits. Um, I'm really doing a lot of these guys a disservice by just listing some credits, but there's just so much that they've done. Yeah, we'll um, be here all day. We'll be here for a while. Then we have Neil Brown Jr. as Pat Kearns. Uh, Private Kearns, uh, his first film credit as well on Tigerland. Um, he goes on to be Motown in Battle Los Angeles, one of me and Matt's favourites. Yeah. Um, uh, he also played DJ Yeller in 2015, Straight Out of Compton. Uh, and he also, at the moment, uh, appears as Raymond Perry in the SEAL Team show on CBS. Oh, yeah. I've seen a which few is of those. Yeah. like NCIS for the Army. It's <laughs> yeah. the best way of Special Forces that. NCIS, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's great though. It's proper. Just have your dinner with it. <laughs> kind of yeah, TV. No, it's, it's it, uh, yeah. Um, it's it's like uh, Ultimate Force, but American. Yeah. It, yeah, it's like me and my missus watch SWAT all the time um, yeah. when we when we're eating our dinner because you can just turn it off and you know the good guy's going to win. That's why we like it. It's easy yeah. to watch. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> then we have nearly round out the cast here, Matt. Stay with me. Um, Afomo. I'm, I'm holding on. Or Milani uh, plays Sergeant Everland. Uh, he's perhaps best recognisable. Um, and I knew I knew him from somewhere when I saw him. He played the drill sergeant in Forrest Gump. Oh, no way. Yeah, that guy. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he also appeared in Glory in 1989. And he's just got a sea of, of TV credits. Um, he's very good. In the few really, scenes he has, he's good in he's this. He's great in everything. All these, all these actors are great in everything, to be fair. Mm. Now, that's one thing about the cast. He's a very good cast. Mm. Um, no one's letting the side down. Uh, TV roles include Miami Vice, Law and Order, and True Detective, and just a slew of more, more uh, credits. And then th- this one's interesting because out of all of them, I think I was expecting to see this act at the least. Um, we have Michael Shannon, a Sergeant Fillmore, in about three minutes of screen time. Yeah, um, what a scene and- though. Yeah, and film fans will know that Michael Shannon goes on to be a two-time Academy Award nominee for Best Supporting Actor. Um, and this is a real early role for him. It's like his sixth credit. Um, he's in Pearl Harbor. He's Colonel Spencer in 12 Strong. He's Zod in the current Superman, whatever Warner Brothers is doing with their IP he? at the moment. Okay. He's Zod. Um, other credits include Eight Mile, Revolutionary Road, Groundhog Day, and a re- reoccurring role in Boardwalk Empire again. Um yep. Really nice to see him. I really like Michael Shannon. I, I really he's a great actor. gets his Oscar because yeah. he's absolutely yeah. fantastic in whatever he's in. Um, but yeah, that was the cast. Um, all very, very reputable and com- competent actors at their craft. And that will segue us nicely into the one word review this week. What did you guys think? Now, I think this week, I think Tigerland isn't as seen as some people think. So is certainly sorry i think tigerland is actually underrated because a lot of our fof listeners hadn't seen it mm. so uh ian mckellen just comes out with it and says i need to rewatch before i cast judgment uh tom petch goes with bfa uh david curran goes with <laughs> rain uh, lance nielsen goes with awesome uh, brian suits says poop um and he says it was technically accurate um and he likes the fact that the m16s had the right flash hiders uh yep. martin collin goes with blanks Hobby Buzzard said, saw this in the cinema. I haven't seen it since. Needs a revisit. Uh, <laughs> Will goes with Forgotten. <laughs> and he does add, uh, Will mention it because it made me laugh. Um, thought it was shite at the time, but might enjoy it now. <laughs> <laughs> Got to admit, I watched this movie when I was like 10, when it came out or whenever. It was um, young and I, bored. Th- I thought it was boring. Yeah. Boring as F. Um, and then I watched it when I at uni and I still thought it was boring. And I'll, I'll let you know later <laughs> what I think. <laughs> um, <laughs> M. Radman goes with Humid. Uh, Peter, aka Spez Baby, goes with Interesting Choice. And he says Beefcake. Might be referring to uh, to anyone in that movie, <laughs> to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam uh, Bengston, or yeah, Ed, Adam Bengston goes with Premonition. And Rob Hanna goes with Oh, always meant to watch this and rounding us out. Pat in VA says cherries. So it's a mixed, a mixed one this week. Mm. I think I think we caught a few people off guard when we said we were going to review it. Um, yeah. It's to be fair, it's one of the movies that we originally put on the. There's this fabled. I don't know if you're a long time <laughs> listener, you may know, but there's a fabled fighting on film Google Drive that at the moment is probably fighting for its life <laughs> with neglect. <laughs> it's full, um, and it's heaving with movies. We've some. It's like three hundred films on at this point. This, it's heaving. 
Um, and this is up there in ones we've put on. One day right we'll publish it right at the start. Yeah, you can yeah. see how many we how many we've added and how many we haven't added, but then have gone on to review. <laughs> um, but yeah, this is one of those movies, and I think maybe with that one we should go into the alley tally because I think we're going to have more to say in favourite scenes and final thoughts this week than alley tally. Probably. Hello there. Sorry to interrupt. I wanted to let you know that you can now join our supporting cast over on Patreon. As thanks for your support, you'll be able to help us pick films, submit questions for guests, have first pick on brand new and exclusive merch, and much more. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. Tom Petch, the friend of the show, um, mentioned... Go and watch his uh, film, The Patrol, if you haven't. Yes, it's fantastic. Absolutely. Um, interesting one, because it is, they, they are quite um, interesting like a, pro- a plot device, uh, a mm. prop. Um, and, and BFA stands for blank firing adapters for anyone that... It does. We should have cleared um, that up. <laughs> should, I should have mentioned that, yeah. We should have said um, that, yeah. But they are like, they are the um, the early early style blank adapter um, and Wilson very naughtily takes his off mm. um, in the final scenes. Um, I thought the M16s in this were really interesting. The M16s got the three-prong flash hiders and some of them are um, without the forward assists. Yeah. And did you notice that some of them have like a weirdly mocked up forward assist attached to the side of them? Yeah, I thought it looked a bit. Chunky. It looks like someone's yeah, someone's glued on a, a double A battery to the side of the weird. receiver. Yeah, I saw. It looks like a forward assist. I'm sure I saw some um, bird cages in there as well. Yeah, um, no, there's a there is a smattering. There's definitely mm-hmm. rifles with forward assists, and there's definitely rifles with bird cages Which, as well. But I mean. It, Kind of makes sense for a training yeah. school to have earlier ARs and later ARs to mix together. I, don't, I think that's not awful. It's really not something I would pick up on and, and be like, that's wrong. Because no, no, it's man, not. I wasn't well, nothing about I, this movie. I, wrong, I think that the, um, the tacked on forward assist, which is the little plunger that's on just the, interesting, yeah. the, the right side of the receiver, if, you, if yeah. you've ever seen one. Um, is, thing is, is I would have noticed like, it less on. if it was just an AR-15 without one. Yeah, I, like, I, I really just, don't think it would have mattered if they had shown eye. it. But then again, we're, I mean, M, we're M16 lovers, aren't we? We're in, well, yeah, we're M16 enjoyers, so we would we would notice this. Um, the other thing I was going to mention is that they they don't put their round magazines in any of them, which is no, nice. Although very nice they inclusion. Plausibly could at this point. 1971, mm. you could have 30 round mags, yeah, but yeah. they weren't the norm. Um, no, not, not with uh, M16A1s. So. But then you've got to think the sheer amount of 20 round mags they've already produced. Exactly. Like, um, it, you know, it's the it's the thing that Vietnam war historians love to talk about is that the sort of, oh, well, 30 rounds aren't wrong. <laughs> you always hear that a lot. And I'm like, yeah, but they're not really right either because the amount of troops bog standard green machine American grunt is not getting their hands on lovely 30 round mags probably until the mid 70s in yeah, any it's, real it's a reenacted debate isn't it, it um, yeah yeah what else have we got in there M60 got that nice little scene where they're yeah, on like a, a life life fire exercise mm. or the, or it's like a battle um, inoculation yeah um, that, well that's what Fort Polk is isn't it it's the Vietnam simulation area yeah tagline yeah yeah it's yeah, a real like thing it's an amount uh, of amazing 62 and 73 mm, um yeah. tagline existed at, at polk 
Um, but yeah, M60 is firing over them, which I, there's, I'm just going to cover this now because I'll forget later. But in that, where they're all lying in that trench and yeah. Mitre has kind of led them under the gun. And if they all got out of the trench, they'd end up being shot at by the, the, the M60 that's firing over people's heads. Yeah. Barrel's character tells everyone to get down, but then the sergeants come over, they call ceasefire, the sergeants come over, have a conversation, confrontation. And then he tells them all to like get down again in the trench. And yeah. I never, I, I, I've watched it like twice. And I was like, I don't understand why he's telling them to get down again. Stay in the trench, get down. Like, I don't understand. I think, is, he, is, it, is he thinking they're going to start firing again while the, everyone's stood on the edge of the trench? Like, what's he thinking? Yeah, I, I just think it's showing you how confused he is actually of what he's doing. Maybe. Like, you know, and yeah. And I think, it's, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of things where I'm like, why is that character saying or doing this thing um, in this movie? I've got it down as possibly the least Ali film we've ever done so far. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, oh, there's a modern there's a modern plastic water bottle that rolls did you, down the, did you re- the bed read of the, that on IMDb and then see it in the movie? Because I no, did. I saw it and then read IMDb. Oh, right. and I was like, I, oh my god, someone else spotted it. Yeah, um, but he does <laughs> like when when um, in. yeah when Farrell drops a like, is it like a like a like ration a tin? Can. In, yeah, yeah down the exhaust of the 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 two-ton the modus or whatever it is it sort of like slams on and they all go flying yeah and it just it, it, everyone's already down the end of the, the truck and, you'll be, and then the bottle it's rolls out focal and it's point. Very, you really have to look for it it's very yeah. visible though I it did is though it's funny yeah we, we love a gaff every now and then um yeah i've just got it down as the least alley one because there are very little scenes that feature weaponry the, the actual uh, ins and outs of war aren't really explored in this one. This is much more of a man's a human. effect yeah. on war's effect on men type film, you know, um, mm. which we'll get into. But I've got down um, interesting that they have uh, OG 107 uniforms, the the ones with the buttons, the more sort of 50s right. looking um, mm. things, because they could be wearing third pats at the time. I'm not saying it's wrong what they're wearing at all. Um, I know that uniform is still in use in some capacity for quite a while. Um, I thought they might have switched over to third patterns when they were in the simulated Vietnam. Um, yeah, but they wear sense, heavy M69 jackets, mm. which don't they look? <laughs> I, I they're not wrong because they are right for seventy two. Yeah, they're still in service. At the time, but... but I'm like, you're in this simulated hot, sweaty environment, and you're not wearing jungle fatigues that you would be wearing out in Nam unless there's some. You know, unbeknown to me, there was a, a, a like a logistical issue. The reason they didn't have them, I'm not. I'm not trying to say that it's wrong because it's everything's right. Um, it just stuck out a little bit for me. But that's really yeah. that's got all the um, one. Is it M65 pattern webbing and that yeah, kind of stuff? Yeah, M65 webbing. Yeah. Everything's right. Nothing's wrong. Yeah. Um, no jungle boots. They're all wearing big sort of um, black. I forget what they call the service boot. They're not wearing jungle boots. Bit weird right. as well. But then you could make the assumption, well, they're not in the jungle yet, so they wouldn't have been issued the boots. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, so probably okay, been issued at, at uh, yeah. AIT, it's, I guess. But Nothing's yeah. wrong. Um, there's an M1911 in there with two-handed pistol firing, which there I is, think yeah. the US Army stopped. They, they taught their men to fire one-handed. I think it was until like 1969 or 1970 or something. I do not know. I will happily admit it's that anec- that is... Anecdotally, I've heard. Something that, that uh, you need to go back through the PAMs yeah. and have a look at, I think. It's like but... it was in Osprey. <laughs> Historians <laughs> will hate me for this. And I am one, so I shouldn't really be like 
an Osprey book that I read many yeah, years ago. Yeah, but it's not ago. Wikipedia, Rob. You're not quite No, Wikipedia. I know. And I'm probably Fine. paraphrasing the, the thing, but apparently until the early 70s, um, US troops were taught to fire one-handed with a pistol. And then this one, they're firing two-handed. So yeah. I wondered, it's 1971, well, so is that a new... It, has that just come in and is that a thing? It varies, doesn't it? Because there's um, there is 1940s uh, pistol shooting clips like training clips of guys like firing teeth. Oh, okay. Oh, well, that well. might be a complete crock then. So, oh, I know. I, no, I don't think it is. I think it varies and I think it kind of ebbs and flows and it depends on the branch and. Okay. Yeah, that makes as sense. As well. And I couldn't really say for, for like certainty, but yeah, they are doing the double hand grip and yeah. they are quite clearly firing blanks because your hands move a bit more right. than what they're moving. Okay. Yeah. And we'll talk about and this think, 1911 scene. I think scene, by mentioning you know? all this ancillary stuff proves how little in the it way really of alien kit like, there you is. You have in to this. go pretty niche to, we to dig yeah. in. Yeah. yeah. Really Oh, well, they didn't week. start using two handed grips <laughs> to fire 1911s until. <laughs> we were going there. We were plumb in the depths. <laughs> Rivet counting. Sometimes you have to revert to it. Maybe we should uh, segue into favourite scenes. I think it's time for favourite scenes. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I really have a favourite scene this week, um, and it it's a very hard film to pin down for me. Um, I really like the scenes where they finally get to the Tigerlands Vietnam recreation yes. village. Yeah, I I just I just wanted to see more of that because I think it was where the cast were their most vulnerable because mm. it's it's going to be simulating something they don't know. Um, and yet we only spend really half an hour of the movie there. Um, and and then everything it's, else... It's I've... an odd plot device, isn't it? In That we're waiting for them to get to Tigerland. They finally get to Tigerland and it's just, in a lot of senses, more of the same. It's not shown as being any, any more arduous, really, than some of the stuff that they've yeah. already been doing. Other mm. than they meet the new sergeant and he's got a cool background, which I'm sure Rob will talk about in yeah, a second. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, they go into that little um, simulated uh, Viet Cong, uh, Vietnamese village. Mm. And then they have uh, a weird sort of face-off between two platoons, um, which yeah. is instigated. <laughs> and the training sergeant lets just happily lets the two groups beat the fuck out of each other. Yeah, before yeah. he stops them, and I'm like, I, I can understand that he may have seen something like this happen. He may have seen a platoon go in, start beating up. Vietnam. Yeah, but that's not what he wants them to do. But that's not what he wants them to do here. <laughs> this is meant to be by the book training. 
that is going to try and set you up to help you. And this is where the movie falls down for me. I need the the plot line itself is fine, and we're gonna we're gonna jump into final thoughts quick because I've got way more to say about this movie than I do um, fave scene. So I'm gonna not try and jump in before Matt has had his favorite scene. Um, but what this movie's doing, I would have much preferred to have seen in this jungle training environment rather than being locked to barracks. Every, and, and locked yeah. to this this town in you know that's like attached to the barracks like it, it I, I just feel like it would have been more interesting to explore how war affects these guys psyche in the simulated war environment yeah no i agree i agree like southern, southern comfort does it much better yeah and that movie yeah. isn't isn't like this at all it's like a weird deliverance knockoff um but it does the same that's, thing. That's a film we need better. to do because it's, oh, yeah. it's, yeah. It's a fun one. Um, it's kind of the same thing. Like, there's, mm-hmm. it's kind of the same sort of character types in that. But anyway, Matt, before we go into final thoughts, I've got way more to say. Um, favorite scene for you, if you have one? Yeah, I think my favorite scene is the scene just after um, Farrell has them stay down in the trench uh, to avoid the M60 fire. And he has that nice little scene with Ezra the sergeant I've forgotten his second name oh that is Um, good Mm. I I like that bit I thought it was really interesting that the sergeant like kind of broke with the hard NCO um, persona and and told him my name is I'm doing this because I've been there I don't want to see people die Mm. Um, but again that scene was great but there was an element to it that I just could not believe. Like Farrell gets up, takes off his webbing, sits down, starts lighting up a, a cigarette and offers the sergeant one. It's just like, I just can't see that happening. That yeah, they, it, it was a lovely too... scene. Well written. Yeah. But it just doesn't feel authentic or likely. It It feels like it would have been better served cutting away, having him in the stockade. And him having this conversation through the barred window with the guy or to his guard or something like where he he can have this comp- candid conversation. Some corporal would have been like he would have, you know, ragged him out like a corporal would have steamed in, ragged him out. You know, the sergeant would have said, get him out of here. Mm. And then he would have been dragged off. That's probably what would have happened. Yeah, I would have preferred that the scene works, but it would, I think it would work better somewhere else. Because, because it completely had... undermines the NCO's, you know, authority. Mm. Mm. He can't be seen to be having a friendly chat with someone who is undermining I mean, I... authority and discipline so much. Yeah. I understand, like, man management, like, the man management element of it. Um, and I know that's more of a modern thing in the army. You know, like, individual men, individual people. I don't know if necessarily if it was back like that back in like early seventies yeah. in the U.S. Army, but it, the thing is, scene the scenes in this movie do work. It's how they're how they're staged and how they're they're framed that don't work for me. So maybe going into final thoughts, um, the characterization isn't there enough for me to buy these characters as people because they're all set. Yeah. They're all stereotypes. You've got. Paxton, he's the educated one who's there 
to try and write a book. You've got the religious yep. fanatic. You've got the racist mm-hmm. redneck. You've got the the, mm-hmm. the black soldiers who just want to get through with their buddies. You've got a uh, stereotypical grizzled horrible uh, sergeant. You you've got yep. old uh, lieutenant uh, officer type who just is doing it because it's his job and yeah all that kind you've of got thing. Good NCO. Good NCO. Bad NCO. NCO. Yeah. Um, Someone plays a harmonica at night at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Carl, Carl, I'll talk about it in a minute, but like, man, they're fine to have those stereotypes, absolutely fine. But mm-hmm, I want mm-hmm. to know more about the people. Like, I never felt like I, why was I rooting for Bods? Why? Why did I care about him? Why? Give me a reason because I don't know about his family life. I don't know about why he, how he got drafted, why he didn't just elope the minute the draft card came. Um, because if he doesn't want to be in the army that much, why is he even there in the first place? Like, so many guys got their draft cards and just burnt them and fucked off to Canada. Yeah. Like, and he yeah. goes, Oh, why would I want to go and be with all the mooses? Like, mm. but it's not being in the army, but he's he's a very conflicted character in that he is shown as quite obviously being a capable soldier and leader. Mm. But then again, guy. he's also yeah, exactly. He's also conflicted about he could escape numerous times. He could jump yeah. off that top of that train car, break his leg. He mm. could just go AWOL because he he's run been, off in he's that town. Shown, no he's shown as being able to just go AWOL. Yeah. Um, he organizes a pickup so he can get, you know, dropped off mm. in Mexico. Um, exactly. Doesn't do it. And I know he has a so friendship with Paxton. He clearly feels conflicted and wants to be there. Mm. And he has that link with Paxton, as you say. But at the same time, it's an it's an interesting characterization. And they also want to portray him as this Tuchel of the school, James Dean, Marlon yeah. Brando type figure, because he's got that about him in early thousands. You know, he's a good looking guy. He's got the chiseled jaw. You know, he's a stereotypical, um, you know, lead male actor looking guy. Yeah. So I get they want to do this, Tim, but in in by doing the too cool for school stuff and the sort of barrack room lawyer stuff. I'm like, the army would just lock you up for this. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. And, no, and I'm yeah. really trying not to put my reality goggles on. I'm really trying to see this as entertainment. Mm. I'm really trying, but there comes a point where I'm like, yeah, well, this, he just wouldn't get away with this sort of thing. I can, I can understand him working is working the people out around him that want, that really shouldn't be there. I can get that. That's fine. Yeah. But then, when you have an opportunity to fuck off and all you've done the whole movie is talk about, well, I could go here, I could get out. And then you don't. I'm like, well, what? That you're, you're not telling me why you're keeping yourself here. You're implying it, but you're not telling me as a viewer. I don't think as a character he knows. I think no, that's I don't, the thing. I, I don't, I think, don't he think he, he never knows explicit- why he doesn't go. Yeah, he doesn't have Other to tell me. that link to Paxton at the very end of the film. Yeah. Before that, I, I don't see why he wouldn't try and get out in his own yeah. Away. But then I don't feel I have enough enough skin in the game for for Boz as a person, i.e. Yeah. building him as a complete character. Don't feel I have enough. He never mentions his home life. He never mentions, oh, I've got dreams. I want to go and do this. There's never a reason for it. It just feels like he's being hard and, and abrasive for the sake of it sometimes. Um, yeah, but that's, that's not fair. my only problem. My second one is that it feels like we only get halfway into the plot when we get 
to the Vietnam simulation right near the end. It feels like we're only halfway in. Mm. Like, I felt like I've just got to know these people. And then the movie wants yeah. to wrap up because, oh, no, they've got to go to Vietnam. We don't have the budget to show that. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's interesting, is it? Because it takes on, like, big Southern Comfort vibes at the very end. Mm, mm. Um, where Wilson has obviously just been moved to another company, another platoon. Yeah. yeah. Um, because we have this great scene um, at the range with 1911s, which you mentioned a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and the scene ramps, where doesn't it, in that last 40 minutes. It does. And the last, like the last act ramps a lot. So Farrell and Paxton, Boz and Paxton, I should say, come back from town one evening and Wilson attacks him when he re-enters the barracks and uh, Boz gets the better of him mm-hmm. and he's really embarrassed the next day, isn't he? He's on the back of the truck. Yeah. Like shouting, you should apologize. And I'm like, well, everyone's like, well, why? You, you attacked could have, him. My whole, my whole thing in that scene, I was you like, you have, instigated you, know, you, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. the whole point now, isn't it? You know, meant, you know that's the reason. But he's steaming why. and he's obviously, he's clearly not. Um, His pride's been hurt. Mentally stable. Yeah, at all. He shouldn't be there. Yeah, no. Um, and it, well, that's I mean, the thing with the, the lowering the i, lowering the IQ, lowering loads of stuff to get people in. It's that whole. Puzzle. Yeah, there are mentions of that sort of societal stuff, mm. um, which I thought was interesting. There's Not nice nods to racial that. tension. Yeah, and and other societal elements of like class Definitely. and stuff, and and um, where you're from. Like uh, mm. Paxton's from upstate New York, um, and a lot of the. Um, Guys from like poor southern rural areas are yeah. you know resentful of that. Um, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. at this point they haven't been through the ringer that is Vietnam, so they haven't no. really had that bond. They haven't. Suppose, yeah, they haven't got that anything you see to in other films. Hang yeah. on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but as I was saying, so they they go to the range and they're firing pistols, um, and Wilson kind of fires a couple of rounds and then decides, no, I'm going to shoot someone comes out of nowhere Wilson. kind of uh, he kind of decides he's going to shoot Paxton or um, possibly even um, Boz yeah this is like before the beating isn't it yeah no it's afterwards it is oh, afterwards after? yeah it's it's the bit is it so there's the it gets beaten up by Boz they oh, get on okay. the back of the truck on the right. way to the range they're arguing they're at the range oh he he walks towards, um, I think it's Paxton who's on the line, um, and then he kind of threatens Boz as well. And yeah, there's this it. whole thing where you were really lucky. They kind of wrestled the gun away from him and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. because the gun doesn't fire. And like you were really lucky. And then there's a scene with the captain character, and he's like, you know, that could have killed you and three people next to you. Um, which is ludicrous. There's no way. And he describes it as like, it's a misfeed, an out-of-battery misfeed, um, which the pistol's oh, clearly in battery, which means that the slides forward, there's probably a round in the chamber because it's only five, like three rounds. Yeah. yeah. If, it, if there was an out-of-battery misfeed, the slide would be slightly open. You'd see a round stuck in the ejection port. There's no way it would have fired yeah, yeah. So they don't. They didn't introduce like a, a like a, a malfunction for that scene. So the armorer could have easily done that if he'd yeah, known maybe. that that was what was needed. 
But the whole idea that if Wilson had pulled the trigger, it would have killed Boz, Paxton, whoever was near him. Yeah, it just seems like he's laying it on thick for their sake, really. It's just not scene. possible. Like anyone because... who's been through basic training knows that that is not what would happen. Yeah. Yeah. Like, the fire will be injured, definitely. Mm. Like there's a very good chance of that, but it wouldn't kill him. Probably like wouldn't just, kill him. I, my issue and it wouldn't kill who, those around him. In that scene, it's telegraphs so much that he's going to try and kill. Yeah. Uh, Bolz. It just telegraphs it so much. And I'm like, we're clearly yeah. not going to do that because it's like half Cap- an hour left. Like, Let me handle it my way. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah he's terrified of like, court-martialing anyone. And I'm yeah, like, oh, it costs it, too much. You know. And I'm like, but that's quite there to discipline men that are bad. Like, what the... I suppose it... I suppose Ugh. what that means, what the, what they're trying to get out there is that um, it would look bad for his record. That's it, is, yeah. That's if he's it, got... Because yeah. he hates it when people are getting, like, um, hardship... Um, Passes. Getting out. Um, yeah. yeah um, what's the word? Discharge. Um, Discharge, thank you. <laughs> Absolute like brain fade then. You're this story, um, Matt. You really should know these words before you start. I know, it's very true. <laughs> um, but it, it, it's it's a weird scene. Um mm. for me, I the other scene actually I did mention favorite scenes was I like the one where um Wilson thinks he's gonna get made platoon guide. And then it's right. just kind of put on the table by the by Ezra, the sergeant. Crest, um, yeah, yeah. He's crestfallen, and it's great. Yeah. Um, but for me, I think really there's parts of the film that don't work because they, as you say, they don't explain the the background of the character. Yeah. But all in all, it's it's a competently made film. It's really nicely shot. For you know, on the sixteen mil, it looks great. There's a lot of um, a lot of interesting angles are used, a lot of interesting um, bits of shot composition. There's some really good performances, but it does drag a bit. Um, yeah, it does... it's a flawed movie for me. It's flawed. Just, it is flawed. I agree. I mean, like when I mentioned it, I feel like we get halfway through. I feel like it, it should have got to them being in a simulated Vietnam experience a lot earlier. It would have been interesting yeah. to split the two groups between the guys that genuinely want to go and guys that are a bit apprehensive and have them with Boz. And you could maybe have had a scenario where, you know, Wilson and them lot end up playing the op for the Vietnam forces or whatever. And then you can have conflict there because they are meant to be fighting each other. You could have had something there. Um, There's a lot more to explore there. And it, and, and then, and then we get to Cole House's um, character where he's playing. Great breath of fresh air. Really, yeah, comes in. He's he's an imposing actor. He has a very chiselled look to him. Um, looks the part, and he says, "Look, I've done two tours. First tour was with 101st Airborne in '68. Second tour just with Mac V. So you know he's been through some shit, right? Um, at this point, and he goes, "I'm here to train you. You know, things I'm going to teach you will, will save your life, hopefully. And it's this mm. whole thing of." You know, we have men that are just doing their jobs, and then we have men that care. Cole seems like a man that cares, but he's been hardened by yeah. the war around yeah. him, and he isn't going to take any of their shit because he genuinely knows that shit will kill them. All the NCOs to this point beforehand seem like guys that haven't done a tour yet, or if they have done a tour, you know, they haven't done two tours like Cole, and it's really sort of affected them. Only Ezra and Cole are the two people that. Yeah, Ezra was there. He says he was there in 68, doesn't he? Um, but everyone else, like the sergeant. Interestingly, he- 
Oh, sorry. But the sergeant that continually beats everyone up, that just seems like his job is mm. to do that. Like, he doesn't seem like he cares yeah. enough about these people. No, exactly. And then he comes in, and I was just thinking to him, I don't know how you felt about this, I don't know what the listeners will think, but I was thinking, I want a movie from your point of view. I that would have been movie, interesting. Yeah, from a point of view of someone who's done it, knows how hard it is, knows how fleeting life can be, and the fact you probably don't want to be there yourself, but you've signed up or you've been drafted, so you might as well fucking get on with it mentality. And then you've got these drafted, late-stage draftees, because bear in mind, you know, people might not know on the pod, um, by the end, by mid-'73, Yanks pulled out of no, the mili- uh, ground force militarily. They still um, have air presence up until 75, um, more or less. Um, so, you know, these draftees at this point, they're not the ideal soldier types. They're broken men. They're men that really shouldn't be there, um, you know, physically, mentally, however you want to portray it, um, but say it. And it would have been very interesting just to see a movie from his point of view because you don't get anything else from these interesting characters. They don't have anything more to say than, I'm teaching you things that can save your life. And that's it. And it's a real shame. Um, and to, to sort of echo what you were saying, uh, I think it doesn't go deep enough into the context of the war at this time. A placard, a card, title card at the start saying counterculture has taken over the US a little bit. The anti-war sentiment is larger than ever. Um, you know, the the the, the armies, uh, the draftees are gradually coming in and they don't want to be there. This is some of those men. I just feel like a little bit of history at the start, as potted as it may be, just to set up why these men are the way they are. Because they say yeah. it through dialogue, but unless you really know that part of the early 70s in the US, an audience outside is not really going to know that much. Maybe. Um, and I felt it wasn't as hard-hitting as other anti-war films that we've done, like The Hill or Attack, that deal with it. Although differently, they have the same themes of men's af- being affected by the war, and combat's effect on men and all that thing, all that kind of themes. And I think those two movies just deal with it a lot better. And those movies are more yeah. entertaining and not as slow and dull as this well, one this can be. Yeah. I mean, I interestingly, I watched the trailer for this, you know, when um we decided to do it. And it the film is weird. The the sorry, the trailer is weird in that it makes the film look like it's going to be like a coming of age, like positive thing where it starts off with like, Oh, Colin Farrell's a tr- Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a troublesome um, soldier. And, and there's a bit with the, the captain. He's a troubled like, renegade. <laughs> yeah. He'd be a great way. soldier if he tried. And then it kind of like has yeah. some like 2000, yeah, 2000 happy film music. Oh, really? We're going to see this. Comes in at the end and it's like, you could be a good soldier, and it, and then it shows him like doing a bit of leading and stuff, and you're like, okay, that song that goes, a moment of love, a dream, a lie, a kiss, a cry, <laughs> just starts in the background like that really uplifting song. <laughs> but it's, it, I think for me, the film is, it's, it's, in terms of scripting, it's a little bit off, and in terms of. Mm. Um, the way that the story is told. I think the concept is interesting. I think the problem for me is I just don't believe that the, you know, the, the, the training style and the, um, 
the discipline of that period and even today probably just yeah. would not allow someone to rebel as much as he does probably and not. slip through no. i just and, and i just don't feel it's probably accurate that's because yeah i got to a point and i was like will you just you just be removed from this situation by now yeah? yeah and if and if you and this is we talked about it earlier a lot and i think it comes back to it if if character of boz really didn't want to be there he'd have found a way not to be there yeah and and i think that's what annoyed me at the end and then you get this whole the ending really annoyed me where i was like oh you, you're gonna do it aren't you you're gonna do that thing where you think i care about your fictional character enough and they go the last time i saw boz was when he went to vietnam i'm paraphrasing it's like some guy said he just disappeared in Vietnam. Some guy said they saw him in Mexico with the beautiful women. And I'm like, why do I don't care? I don't know anything about this guy. You well, spent the last it. hour and, and a half trying to tell me about him, and I know nothing about the bloke. He's a conflicted young man yeah. in early 70s America. Bad seat. You know. And I think it's I think it's interesting because the film climaxes with they're in the uh, the swamp and it's platoon v platoon. Wilson's leading his platoon. Yeah. Uh, Boz is is leading his. Wilson has somehow gotten some live ammunition and takes his blank adapter out. Where from? Um, Motivations? We never find out. Yeah. I mean, why, did, why is those... he so murderous? Yeah. Why does he want to kill someone? And there's another guy so that's much. one of Wilson's cronies and he hates Boz, but you never get any lines from him. Like it feels well, like we're well, missing is, scenes Rob, about these. The thing is, Wilson isn't even introduced as the original like antagonist. <laughs> no, because there's it another was, guy that's introduced it was for like half yeah. an hour. Yeah, yeah, is introduced and then he is he assisted by Bob to and escape. He's left. Yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, so it, in the yeah. end. The movie can't pick who the Boz, bad guy is. Boz fires his, his rifle, which has a blank adapter, and the gas is hit Paxton in the eye, and that gets him his discharge, which is great. And then at the end of the film, I hated the end, the, like the, the, the final scene where Farrell is like ripping apart. Um, That's just dickhead behavior. <laughs> Paxton's book. And then just yeah. like waves to him. Like, oh, how is that supposed to endear Bye. us to him? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. the guy's been writing that book since, like, in his notebook since before he yeah, met yeah. Farrell's character. It's important to him. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And I know it's that's just... probably like an allegory for, like, forget all this. It's not important in your life. You can go on to different things. And I'm like, bro had a dream. And <laughs> you're fucking his dream. He did everything yeah. to help you try and get away. <laughs> and right at the end, you're like, ah, fuck your notebook. Yeah, shit. You know. <laughs> It's, a bit it, it's just it. It's a weird climax, yeah. Um, to the way that that's done. Um, it's just as I said, the film's flawed, but it's flawed. flawed and it it probably deserved better than it got at the box office, but obviously Farrell was recognised for being, you know, a, a good actor, competent yeah. actor that can lead a film. And that's launched his career, which is a great thing. Without this film, Matt, you don't get 2016's Total Recall. I mean, everyone hates that, but I mean, <laughs> I love the original. Everyone <laughs> hates it, but is it that bad? Is it? Uh, no, not really. No, no. no. It's, it's I mean, that's not probably, great, but it wasn't movie, needed. Basically. That movie made some money. <laughs> you know, it might have still been a flop, but it, you know, you could probably yeah. make four Tiger Tigerlands for the money. Yeah. It totally, um, totally wasn't needed. Um, no. No, but yeah, getting back to this, I think you're right. It's flawed. Southern Comfort does the same thing, pretty much. Mm. And there's a bit of action in there as well near the end. 
Um, yeah. Oh, and don't get me wrong, Selling Comfort's a bit of a flawed film because it's two movies, really. You can't make up what it is anyway. Yeah. Um, but it's I super unlikely more... as well. Yeah, it's a bit. I expected more from this one, um, seeing how revered it is online um, and how much people like it. Um, and to swing, to go full circle. I thought it was boring when I was 10. I thought it was boring when I was at university. I think it's a little bit boring now. Yeah, it does drag. And it. And that's not don't... me saying I can't... In, sorry to cut you quickly there. And that's not me saying I can't enjoy something cerebral and chatty. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah. But anyway. Well, there we go. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the show. Are you really done, are you? Yeah, I'm done. I've got nothing else to say about it. Last week, U571. Yeah, it was flawed, but it was entertaining. I think this one's just a bit drab. And there we go. That was Tigerland. Um, you know, it's on Disney Plus. I should have mentioned earlier, but you, know, you can watch it easily. Um, it's it's really cheap on DVD. There's a nice um, Enemy at the Gates Thin Red Line box set you can get with this. Um, that is such a weird <laughs> match the of the films. Early thousands DVD. I've got it up on the shelf like, there. They yeah. were just like, you know what, 20th century Fox, like, let's put, let's put three of the early 2000s greatest war movies together. Yeah. Enemy at the Gates, Thin Red Line, Tigerland. They've, someone's gone, Brilliant. yes, yes, that's great. <laughs> Do it. Pre- Stop the presses. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As always, uh, you can find the entire back catalogue of uh, Final Film at finalfilm.com. Thanks to everyone who's listening. We recently broke into the top 20 um, film review pods in the country so thanks a lot to everyone who's listening leaving reviews it means a hell of a lot to us to be in that chart um mixing it with the big boys we're coming for you come out um, <laughs> <laughs> we're coming we for you blank this. check pod <laughs> no this is um <laughs> we love all the podcasts we love our podcast we family um and yeah do leave us a review because it really really helps and uh, join us next week for another war movie review for your delectation uh and uh this is me signing off for this week bye everyone Bye, everyone. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.